Welcome to Catching Foxes. We'll never make it big. Why? Because we get in our own way. So I went to this this meeting with a bunch of creative people and we were talking and they said Oh yeah, I want to hear all about it. Give me did, all the gossip. Well they the said, What's let's go around the circle and say one one or two things that you're really good at, one or two things that you that you need work on. And I said, one or two things that I'm good at. Uh, number one is I'm really, really good when I'm giving a talk at reading the room and adjusting everything on the fly. Like, I, you know, nothing's canned. I constantly am, am reconfiguring to what I think is best and most effective. And I said, generally speaking, I, I love new things, diving into things. <laughs> he said, well, okay, what's your bad thing? And I was like, so this is going to sound stupid or like a cop out, but I have ADHD and I've only now started to realize how I self-sabotage so many things because of it. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, for instance, I love new things. I hate follow through and (laughs) I have a perpetual war with procrastination that sometimes I win and sometimes I epically fail. And they were like, huh? So they're taking notes and they just wrote, they're writing like all these like obstacles to creativity. (laughs) They just wrote ADHD. And I was like, yep, that's pretty true. It's pretty true. Like it's an engine for creativity. Well, because it's cool because it's also creativity and entrepreneurship in a lot of ways. So you're 300 times more likely to be an entrepreneur if you have ADHD. Take that. It's one of the reasons why some people think that why they do SNL the way that they do with all the pressure and all the stress because none of them have executive functioning skills, and so it's just (laughs) let's just make it all an emergency. Oh yes, yes. Because like the whole yeah. culture there of like how you write till like what their table like read through is like Tuesday or Wednesday morning, and people will just be up all night and finally will start to write stuff at five in the morning because they're just waiting till the last minute. And everyone's like, you could do it as you know a nine to five, but you know it's not gonna happen. Yeah, not gonna happen. So how was that? You were at you were at something yeah. I couldn't go yeah. to. Yeah, so yeah, it was an invite only thing, and uh, they said clearly <laughs> Gormley. No, it was super interesting, and I. So the, the, let me let me just keep it like like the, as as you know, just hearing what people do who are super creative mm-hmm. and what their day is like is enough to like holy crap that's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Like I met you know this one lady is like yeah I do these filming shoots for these movies you know you're there twelve fourteen hours a day. You know, what does work-life balance, that was one of the questions, what does work-life balance look like when you're shooting 12 to 14 hours a day? And I'm like, who are you and will you be my friend? I mean, not because they, she like works out, but she's like making movies and stuff. And this one guy's like, yeah, I'm Catholic, but I'm not a Catholic creator. Like, I don't make movies for Catholics. He's like, I, I mostly do, you know, bigger budget things anywhere from X amount of dollars to millions of dollars. And I'm like, He's like, so I'm the, he's basically the lead set. I don't, I don't know what you call them. He, like, like, I don't want to say head cameraman because I, I don't like, he's in, he's not the producer. He's below the producer, but he sets the lighting and cameras for everything that's going to take place. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's awesome. Is that a gaffer? I don't know. But, but he's like the camera guy. Like he's, so he's like right underneath the so I mean, he's the guy responsible for the film looking the way it does, on you know, to follow the what mm-hmm. the director wants or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just so cool. And then you know, uh, other people that we know, I don't know what I'm allowed to share or say. Oh, but that's fair. That's fair. I, I don't know. Like they they never really said anything about that. Give so, me all the dirt. 
Yeah, no, there was no dirt. It was just like <laughs> dirt, this, dirt. No. Yeah. Well, no, it was like okay. So these are these are all the things that I failed at in my life of businesses mm-hmm. that I tried to start. And it was honestly, it was one of those talks where you sit there and you're like, like I always hear about it, like in Google, like fail fast, fail forward. Those are, these are like terms that they use in the tech industry. But to hear someone who's a devout Roman Catholic who's trying to build things that are passion projects and stuff. And just and and not someone who just builds like gets something started and doesn't see it through. It's just like, yeah, I had I I went to the wrong market. Like, there's no mar- market here, and I threw all my money behind it, and it didn't work. So I learned something. Now you know, and you're like, huh, okay, this is this is pretty powerful stuff. When you sit there and you know, like one of the things that he said that was so funny was you know try to create this tutoring program where you could. He's like, where I would hire people from basically the Philippines to tutor people in the states remotely on different subjects and mm-hmm. uh you charge them like 15 20 an hour and he said turns out the rich who get their kids tutored can afford much better tutors in person which is better the poor who can't get can't afford rich tutors more expensive tutors excuse me they have community programs <laughs> he's like so there's no market for what i was trying to do and it's like ah there you go there you go. So if they didn't have the community programs run by nonprofits and government agencies and, and universities, then maybe they would be a for-profit thing, but the nonprofits solve the, the market gap. Yeah. That's with how it tends to work. Yeah. So it was just super interesting. It was just stuff like that. Cool. Over and over again. And it really challenged me to like one. Okay. So let me, let me give you one thing that I, I thought of that I thought was interesting. So I give talks. I record the talks. You I do. post the talks on soundcloud.com slash AMD Gomer. I don't know you if do. you do that. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, occasionally, very occasionally, I'll write up like a blog post. But then I started thinking like, okay, like I've worked with, with Ascension Press for years. What do they do when we produce an episode of Every Need Show About? Well, they have one person that edits, another person that kind of overall, you know, our, our producer and then our editor, right? So they, they're mapping out the big picture. But, you know, me and Dave really map it out too with them. And then... Then there's like someone doing the email that goes out once a month that summarizes the four episodes, in-depth show notes, blah, blah, blah. It's pointing to things, has things to market, things to sell, connects them to blog posts that maybe have related topics because they obsess over key uh, keywords and tags that they can very easily pull content and share content across their entire network. And you're like, yeah, I mean, like none of that an individual person can't do, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a lot less, but. Like that, that's really cool. Like the, just seeing things in a bigger picture. Cause so often I think we just like, this is what I do. So this is all I can do. And that's just not true. So yeah, it's just super interesting to kind of expand your brain. Nice. Yeah, no, that that's, that's one reason why I wanted to go is it would just be good to be able to connect with different people and kind of like, you know, the little brain candy of like, Hey, I can do this. I can, I can do that. I could, you know, it's for me, that's really energizing, but, but it was fun. I was able to FaceTime with you and, um, and Mrs. Ruby and Pat from the crunch. I tried to get Everly to call Pat from the crunch a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both of but, the guys were there from the yeah. crunch. Oh, they nice. were great. I love them. They were great. It, it was it, awesome. Yeah. It was fun to see people like get excited to see Everly, to be honest with you. Yeah. Katie, Katie Ruby and Katie McGrady. Oh, wonderful. Were, I love them. I really yeah, do. Yeah, we're, we're two people that, uh, I, you know, obviously I knew them and the Crunch guys. I knew the best, but I just, I mean, I just, especially Katie McGrady, I just pummeled her with questions. Like, you know, got so much advice from her. Good. She's a great sounding board. Agree. Yeah. Ah, so, got any topics? 
Oh, man, I got topics for days. Are you kidding me? What did you do? What did you do while I was out gallivanting around Chicago? One Monday and Tuesday, I had Everly. Wednesday, I had I worked. I mean, I worked both days, and then I had class. I'm loving it. I'm taking an econ class right now. That's on Wednesday nights. It's been, it's been really fascinating, to be honest with you. Like, so many... Um, one of the things about like, so I'm, I'm taking a microeconomics course and we're focusing on the, um, just like where you make decisions is typically at the margin. So learning like, okay, well, how do you make decisions at the margin? Like how do you actually, how do you, um, calculate this stuff? How do you decide what to do? And it's really fascinating and it just, boy, it makes me sad for how behind the church is, <laughs> but just like so many of the nonprofits I've um, worked at, they're just, this is, <sighs> this is chess and they're playing sorry. <laughs> you know, like it's it, you can't you cannot even compare the way that like some decisions are made. It's not even. It's just. It's really pathetic to be honest with you. And it yeah. just it, it kind of hurts my heart. I'll be honest with you to a certain extent. It really hurts my heart because if you were to put the stuff at the service of mission, like just, you know, things for appeals, things for how we make decisions. I mean, I always tend to think about through a fundraising lens, but there are so many, so many ap- applications of it. I, I, I try to not think of it in terms of the podcast when I'm in that, that course, because yeah. I'm trying to really focus on the nonprofit sector, but even just, just with the podcast and certain things like, Oh, this is why I kind of see how we could do this. or like, we could do that. And I mean, I'm, I'm like, you know, like take the spec out of my own. Eye. I'm not doing half the stuff with our show. I've done some stuff, but it, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, one of the biggest things that at that conference that was interesting that kind of overlaps with what you're saying, not conferences, this, this get together was uh, so many people have wonderful mission and vision and dedication, mm-hmm. but it's the daily stuff of life that pulls them out of being dedicated to this thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like the signal to noise ratio is so much because people got to put food on the table. I mean, like at the end of the day, what is pulling us away from you know, pursuing catching foxes full time. Well, it can't sustain us now and we have responsibility, so we can't do it. And because you can't do it, you can't invest full time and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's it's just interesting when you start to hear, you know, twenty people, thirty people, you're on the internet, you're getting emails from people who are there's a lot of greatness that's out there that I think mm-hmm. could be even greater. And I don't know if it's a sieve, a crucible that refines, you know, to make sure that when you do step out with your vision, you're stepping out into something that's worth the sacrifice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's a part of it, too. Like, there, there's an element where it's like catching foxes should be a thing that remains a part-time job for the rest of our lives. Because maybe our souls need it. Maybe, you know, we don't need to become a full-time whatever. But then there's another side that says, okay, well, maybe catching foxes is a stepping stone. That's why we haven't been able to do a full-time. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just impossible to be able to think on it. But I do know one thing is, you know, our responsibilities preclude us from you sleeping on my couch, us splitting every, you know, like yeah, us yeah. eating, living off of ramen and mm-hmm. uh, and and rice and beans and and trying to make a go of it. Well, I mean, I've I've talked about this before. I, I can't remember if I've said it on here or not. But it's usually when I just kind of talk to people about like the podcast or why we don't do it full time. If we were, you know, if this was two thousand eight, and if yeah. this was happening, if 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 two thousand eight. If our 2018 is 2008, I'm you and I are living in an apartment out in Houston. I with what we were pulling in then, if I had subbed a little bit, I would have made more than I was making. Hmm. Now, like that's not counting in like you know insurance and, and stuff. Yeah. But, but you know, like basically, if I worked as like a sub part time, 
I would have been making pretty much the same, you know, and like yeah. what we could have, you know, like that's that's how this goes. I don't think, you know, and it, um, I don't know, I don't know where I'm where I'm going with this because it's late and it's Friday. <laughs> this is the worst time to record. <laughs> that's what you're talking about, man. It's great. <laughs> it's ten thirty. What are you gonna Friday. do on Saturday? What are you doing? I'm gonna wait. Oh my gosh, I broke Everly's heart. I was like, we'll go to the coffee shop. Like, if you go to bed, we'll go to the coffee shop. She and then like. She was so because we I had communion and uh, um liberation tonight, which, which was great. And so she's you know she's pretty exhausted, but like doesn't want to go to bed yet, kind of a thing. Yeah. But she's out now. She'll be out for the for the rest of the night. It'll be great. And she thought I meant go to the coffee house now, so she's going to the door. Because like we go to a coffee shop yeah. every um, Saturday morning, and so she goes to the door and she's like, she goes, "Okay, I'm coffee shop." I'm like no, like like it's bed. She goes, "No coffee shop." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, you thought I meant now?" And she was like, "Yeah, now." Like I was just so. No, like, you idiot! I just, you broke, I just broke your little three-year-old heart. And you're in a belt dress, and it's so cute. And I feel so bad. Yeah. Uh, this is what we call childhood trauma. Why do I make you all the women in my life cry? <laughs> you will internalize this, and when you're 25, you will wonder why you have daddy issues. And it'll be because of this one moment. Uh, oh gosh, I just—I mean, her face. She just was just like just <laughs> devastated. I mean, just like you would have thought that I was like sorry. There's no more Christmas. Just, just <laughs> utter despair. Yeah. No, I, I, I think I'll just like. My point will be that you're a Catholic nonprofit. If you work for, you know, parish or whatever. I mean, parish is a little bit different, obviously, for like a lot of different reasons. And we can go into that. But now's the time to get serious. The days yeah. of you will be like, you know, it's kind of it's really interesting. Do you remember back in like maybe ten years ago, people started talking about the days of if you build it. They will come. Youth yeah. ministry has has ended, and we were, we were talking about that just through the lens of um the youth ministry because that was our experience. I was working in youth ministry. You were doing stuff, obviously, and really that was going on everywhere. And the days of open up a Catholic school, do this, and they will come. It's just gone. It's just gone. And what's happening are the people that are committed to fundraising, that are really like to doing it well, that are committed to having a um singular um vision. Uh, I think it was. Not Anthony D'Ambrosio, but his brother, I forget his name, had a wonderful post on this. I was like, you need to get very specific with what you want to do. Yeah. And, this, and that's where things, once you know exactly what you're going to do, what's the ch- what change are you trying t- to make, what problem you're trying to solve, and exactly how are you going to to solve it, that's where stuff starts to happen. And so many people in the nonprofit space, particularly at within the Catholic nonprofit because we've been around for so long. That's one of like my own theories as to why this is the case. It's just like, yeah, you have to be very, you know, like you have to work twice as hard to, to stay in this, in the same spot. Mm. If you're not like using math and data to make decisions at the margins, you're not doing it right. Mm. And I think to, so many people at Catholic nonprofits that make that makes no sense. And yeah, they, I you've already like lost. Like, all... like you've already lost. Like to yeah. see blood. So 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 okay. So there's math and data. Like I get that a hundred percent. The other thing that I struggle with is so you can have all the numbers, the most perfect numbers in the world, but they might not be telling you the right thing, right? So they can tell you that people are leaving. Okay, they can tell you who gives what and how much and blah, blah, blah. So th- this is what I mean. Numbers need interpretation. There's no such thing as like raw data that can help us make actions. We need to interpret. And so mm-hmm. for, for us, like 
you have 200 kids in your youth group, 50 of them left. That's a pretty substantial loss. What does that mean? Like, where does that become actionable? Right. And so this is where the numbers are, are important, but they are, they're important if you can attach the right interpretation and it's very easy to attach the wrong interpretation. So for instance, if I say they're leaving because the new youth minister sucks, or we don't do as much fun as we used to. Okay. So let's say we don't do as much fun and games as we used to. Well, the kids are leaving because it's not fun anymore. Does that mean I need to make it fun? Or does that mean they don't take their faith seriously? Right? So this is what I'm saying. Like, there are layers of interpretation that alter the way that even interviewing the kids and surveying the kids might not necessarily get you the, the, mm-hmm. the accuracy. You yeah. Know what I mean? Well, well uh, part of that is, man, this would have been an episode I'm going to get to prepare for a little bit, but we'll make do. Part of that is understanding what's the information you're trying to get. So, like, I agree with you, but I think you're still operating at kind of a basic um level, which is we had 200, now we have 50. Like, why is it? I'm talking about doing a, like, marginal analysis on taking data, like, using, like, regression tests on with, like, stats stuff, you know, to really understand what do, what are the numbers actually, actually telling you. So, but, so, you're not, you're, like, you're not, wrong okay like please don't think but like i'm saying like okay so let me just take i'm gonna take on this approach you really want to find out why people are um, are i'm leaving you can absolutely have um conversations with people you can send out um, a, you can send out like a survey you can you know talk with parents and there's stuff that you can kind of see is there a correlation did we change the date did that impact things did a school add this thing like there's data that you can kind of start to put mm-hmm together to 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 understand that the problem is like no one knows how to do that Mm. because you do that for like you know when you're trying to market cereal or when you're trying to do this other stuff you're trying to you know like how did p and g came up with the swiffer they actually like they'll do a thing where they like they'll they would follow housewives who stayed home around for a day and see how they did stuff and this person attached a dust thing to the end of a broom and started to like sweep on top of like her fan or like on the floor or, 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 or the baseboards. And they were like, hold on a second, you're doing what? And they made a whole product out of that. that like changed <laughs> everything. And you can't yeah. go like, like it's, it's, it's actually crazy how much sometimes you have to kind of stop and take it. And it, it's tough. Cause like, yeah. how do you keep the lights on and go in, you know, and do all of this stuff. Right. Yeah. So, um, so my, my like my point is that I agree with you, but you need the hard. These are actually hard skills that can be taught. They can absolutely be be taught, but you need like if you can start to incorporate that a little bit. If you can learn those things, which like there's there's work that, that you can do to, to actually come to those answers. So you are totally right about like just having the data isn't enough. You need to know what to do with it, but like it's not. It's not common sense. Yeah. It's actually a thing that you, and, you know, and like having a conversation, learning with people, why is this hard for, for you? Why have you stopped going? What are, are you, like, what are you, doing? you, there are things that you can do to kind of get some answers to get an idea. And then you can start to run some stat stuff to see, oh, okay, there's like a correlation here. Doesn't mean that this is actually causing this, but you can come up with like, listen, it's never going to be like be perfect right and ultimately like it's the holy spirit that's going to do all the stuff but what we need if you can put this at the service of mission 
that's where stuff really starts. Like, okay, so we talked about how, do you remember back when, like you said, when Shannon first started in youth ministry, a bunch of people were like, here's a list of 100 people, call them. And she was like, what? Yeah. This isn't how, I don't know how youth ministry works. I, I, I now like, I, um, and again, I'm, I'm a little bit tired. So this is probably not the yeah, best time to have this from the on the conversation. Yeah. yeah. But there is an element to that that I think actually is kind of right, which is, reaching out to people, understanding what they want, understanding what their interests are, inviting them to things. I don't think it's a sales pipeline per per, per se. Yeah. But if I could like, you know, like if I were to change anything about my job when I worked in a ministry and I began, it's that I would have had lunch or coffee every day with one or two people. Mm. Every day I needed to be meeting with a different stakeholder to understand where they were to get a different person per per perspective to be guiding them along, you know, like, and it just, it's really tough because like one of the things that's such a, that's hard about, about ministry. And I'm, I'm only going to bring this up just because I think like, I'm not trying to solve on the, this is just an, an, yeah. an example. So hopefully people are, who are, don't work in ministry or can find some sort of, they can p- pull something out of this, which is, do you think you ever could have said, we're not doing a thing until we can like kind of reorient and understand what's going on? Could you have stopped doing youth ministry for three months so you and your team could have done some deep dive, almost do like some R&D as, as a team? Yes and no. So I know of a program, our boy, Annie Hickman, right? He did a thing called Reboot where what you do our is- Our boy's a bit of a stretch. Right. Where you just <laughs> leave- uh, where you leave it at a minimum of what you do so mm-hmm. that you can go and do this. He did that at St. Tim's in Mesa yeah. where it's like, yeah, I'm going to do, we'll, we'll still have life nights and they'll go, but we are pausing everything that's going to drain anything more than 80% of our time. And so we'll keep it going. We'll keep the lights on for 20% yeah. Yeah. and then 80% we are trying to reevaluate, do all this stuff. And the way he described it to me was, we're sitting here talking about how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And most of these kids don't know how to have relationships with their peers. And so he's like, I did a three week night on a three week topic on how to have a friendship. Right. And he's like, so, so then the question becomes, do you become obsessed? Does this become rabbit holeish, where you end up chasing, true. going down a rabbit hole, very and true. Doing the wrong thing. Very, very true. Um, can I tell you a story from like, Gosh, let me find out how long ago this was. Um, oh my gosh, what did uh, from April 9th, twenty fifteen? That I was thinking about when you started talking. Yeah, do it. Okay, that I think correlates to this. So, have you ever heard of jobs to be done? Uh, okay, so Clay no. Christensen. Keep it brief. Yeah, he's one of my favorite. Love you, Harvard Business Review, Harvard Business School guys. Teaches the class. Um, how will you measure your life? It's one of those famous classes where it's standing room only. Yeah. Hundreds of people go to it every year, every semester, whenever he does it, every year. Um, anyway, and so there's a book published. It's a wonderful book. So he wrote the only business book that Steve Jobs said he ever read and ever liked, which is the innovator's dilemma. Dilemma. But jobs to be done is kind of like this. Like you ask someone, why do why does someone hire a tied pod laundry detergent? Why do you hire it? Right. So the idea is what is the job that the customer is really seeking to get done? Not, not, oh, I like this brand. I like this product. So there's a famous story about people doing what you said, right? Going and following an individual around 
and you know and actually just seeing how they do their day and then figuring stuff out from there so there was we'll, we'll just say it was mcdonald's i don't think it was mcdonald's but they had a lot of people buying milkshakes at like six o'clock in the morning and a lot of people buying milkshakes at like six o'clock in the evening and so they began following people and then they began doing all these surveys and the question that they were asking or they were trying to get to was why are you hiring the milkshake what is the job that the milkshake is doing well in the morning it was all these people rushing off to work and they left too late for breakfast so they wanted something to make them feel satiated carry them through the day they were you know they were regretful that it was like an unhealthy sugar bomb but they were like, I need something thicker than a, a Diet Coke or something like that. So what they began to do is they retasked their formula for the milkshakes in the morning to include chunks of fruit and less sugar. And all of a sudden, they like quintupled the amount of milkshakes that they were selling because they're basically like fruit smoothies instead of milkshakes. But then in the evening, they began measuring and they re- their sales plummeted. So they're trying to figure, okay, what the heck? We got these two peaks. Why did this one suddenly get... Get screwed up. So then they go and they figure out, well, these aren't people who are supplementing dinner. People go and get dinner. That's when they buy the fast food, uh, you know, the burgers and whatnot. These were, a lot of them were like dads who were Mm. taking their children to get a milkshake and they just wanted a win. After telling, this this is how they described it. After telling their kids no all day long, they wanted a win. So they would go and take their kid, hey, you want to go get a milkshake? And then he would sit there with the kid, and the kid's taking forever drinking this thick milkshake. And they're like, ah, you know, okay, we got to go. And then, and then they get in a war because the kid took too damn long to drink the milkshake. So what they realized, they changed their formula throughout the day, that it started with thicker, chunkier morning breakfast blend. And in the evening, they actually made it runnier so kids would drink it easier through a straw, and they would drink it faster. And their sales, like, quintupled. And it's funny because it's like this idea of, what 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 do you hire youth ministry to do right some people hire youth ministry so that my kids can have good clean fun some people hire youth ministry because i want my kids to be formed in the faith and i can only tell them so much before they shut out mom and dad Mm -hmm. and you're a good supplement not my substitute some it's you know just to be socially adjusted in a safe environment whatever you know there's a million reasons why you hire my then my problem with that i love that idea but then my problem is, but what if you're hiring us for all the wrong reasons? See, that's where the product to yeah, cash breaks down mm-hmm. is if you're hiring me to give your kid good, clean fun, and I say, no, I want to give them Christ, so I'm going to pull back some of the good, clean fun so that I can have more catechesis or we could have more time for small groups or whatever or more time for prayer, more adoration, then what happens? Then they get frustrated. I hired you for something else. I didn't hire you for that. Right. And it's who's like, the, but I work, who's the, the parent, they. the parent in this case, right? The so then the, the parents and the kids you. are different. Yeah. Right. And the parents are in one sense, the parents are the consumers, not the kids. Right. And in another oh, sense, it's sure. the kids and not fair, the parents. Fair, fair, Cause they're fair the ones point. that front the cash. They're fair the ones point. that push it. So, it, I mean, right, right. So there's multiple levels. It's not like I'm buying a milkshake, right? Yeah. Well, but, and, 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 and two, sorry, sorry. Keep on going. I was just going to say, but it's a useful way to get us thinking beyond just, well, this is what I do for a living, and this is why they should do this. Mm-hmm. Right? And I want to be very clear. I want to be very, very clear. Like, all of this should be at the service of, of like, of a mission. So if Christ is calling you to abandon the 99 to go after the one to do on the youth ministry in a way that, like, maybe a lot of the parish doesn't want, but you and your pastor, like, this is what the Lord is calling us to, so, like, we are going. Yep. It's about putting this all at the service of mission, because that's ultimately where you're going to find the most fruit. Yeah, and 
it's funny, you know, like, and, and, and I'm, I'm not like, I, okay, I have two thoughts on that. So one, ultimately, like, I do think we need to, particularly with ministry, not have a consumeristic mindset. Yeah. Which is, now that you may say, hey, Luke, that flies in the face of everything that you just talked about. I'd be like, <laughs> I agree. And it's your job. It's our job in ministry to, like, discern where are those lines. Yeah. You know, and, and to be okay with fucking it up. Yeah. Like, to truly be okay with, like, oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's not about perfection. It's about, it's about unfaithfulness. Yeah. You know, and I think so many, so many youth ministers or people who work in ministry or just, you know, like, in the church coming out of college, they get to their office and they're like, so... What do I do? What do, I do? <laughs> yeah, and it's like I guess I'll just read getting things done, <laughs> you know. And dude, so many of those Catholic creatives use getting things done. Of course, it they made do. Yeah. me happy. Yeah, and yeah, I think so. Like, like having like I think that's why like the if you're in youth ministry, particularly, man, we should just do a. I really think we should do a podcast series just for youth um, ministers. Um, Bob Rice said this one time, I think, and I completely agree. I think he was talking about about a pastor. Like, don't take a job if you don't agree, or if you don't like the pastor. If you don't agree with where they want to go yeah. or them, or like, don't take it. I would add the business manager to that. Hmm. Don't your business manager should be your support, your ally. You don't have to be best friends, but they can't be making your life hell. It's not going to work, right? It's right. just not, you know, because like most business managers. I mean, not most, but like, you know, it's it's getting better. But it just if they've got a boomer mentality of like, you get here at eight thirty, it's like, do you do you yeah. Because yeah. all my all the people I work for, <laughs> they don't get out of school till three thirty. You know, like my day, your day's wrapping up at that point. Exactly. I, I'm just getting started. You know, and that's and that's part of you know. But like one of the and also I, I will say one of the best, my favorite youth ministry programs in the archdiocese was led by a volunteer retired grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I love you. I want to be around this all the time, and I love yep. everything that you're doing. And don't listen to anything that I'm saying. Because <laughs> you know, it's like what you're doing is you're just like he just wanted a place where kids felt unloved and so special needs whoever I was like you don't worry about a thing you're everything that we need and don't listen to me he's just a volunteer you know like he had a busy he had his old sales of the business card still that was just him and he was bald and on the back it said every day is a great hair day and i was like you are probably so rich from sales aren't you <laughs> like <laughs> you're just he's just the most humble nice wonderful guy wonderful guy every day is a what is it every, every day is a great hair day <laughs> i was just like oh my gosh how much zig ziglar have you read uh just like all of it my son yeah all just, of it i'm like you don't like the rules like and that's yeah. kind of the, like the disruptors almost i hate to put it this way i feel gross yeah. saying that but like it's like this all applies until it doesn't. Yeah, y- you know. So I uh, I don't think you're wrong in saying disruptor. Like Life Team was a huge disruptor to youth ministry. So I did a talk for the Diocese of Victoria. I'm I'm kind of trying to weigh if I could put it on YouTube or not. It was a talk that I gave, and it was the history. Basically, it was like, what is the point of youth ministry? It's to make lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ, not disciples of Jesus Christ for their high school years, which implies different frameworks and approaches i'm trying to give this you know to equip someone for their adult years as well as right now in high school Mm -hmm. and so and i think i think it does it calls for a radical different approach in certain things so 
I gave this talk and part of it was understanding the evolution of youth ministry because youth ministry in the Catholic, oh, Catholic church is way behind in youth ministry from Protestants. Uh, yes and no. Yes yeah, and no. no. Models. Not, not anymore, really. Right. Well, and, but that's, you're talking about models of this thing called youth ministry, yeah. which is essentially a large group thing, youth organization where kids are segregated out from adults, whatever. But what they had for the longest time was they had CCD or something like it, which fulfilled the faith formation component. And then alongside it, they had social organizations that fulfilled the community thing. And they Mm -hmm. were kind of two different things. Most of the kids in the one joined kids in the other, but they weren't really the same thing. Life Teen is, and this is why Life Teen was hated by youth ministry circles, because the word youth ministry was socials and service projects right it was hey we're all gonna go to that soup kitchen you know before you know during advent and then leading up to advent we're just gonna hang out in the yeah. youth room and play pool and do whatever the catholic youth organization cyo they were doing there was an event-based ministry right and that was youth ministry and you did things like prayer and maybe you went to mass or whatever but for life team it was like how do we deliver effective catechesis in a relevant way for kids in a non-classroom setting and people hated them and i don't mean the standing around the altar i mean they hated the idea that you could teach the sacraments to high school students there's there's one of the guys who's one of the the old veterans of it and he was telling me he was at a youth ministry event and people were literally mocking him like 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 uh, elementary school kids they were like imitating he was like eating lunch and they were like imitating him eating lunch and then they would all bust out laughing and he's like i'm sorry what is what is your problem what did i do and they're like and the guy like yells at him, you think you can teach sacraments to high school students? This is a true story. He just burst out screaming. He's like, I've done it. You can. Like, Whatever. So this was a con- it was like, isn't that crazy? Like That's they so were weird. like, he was eating soup and they were like, look at me eat soup. You know, and he just, and it's like 12 people. And these were adults, right? In suits. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so his uh, probably t-shirts, but uh, his, my realization from that story years later, I mean, I heard that. 15 years ago, my realization was because life team and organizations like that were merging catechesis with that's interesting youth, with socials, right? So you have one group, like you have traditional churches. Most traditional churches have some sort of classroom model, right? So I teach CCD at presentation for high school students. My class started out with 12 kids. Now I have like 17, me and Brian. We have 70 kids. It's becoming like a youth group in our class. It's so funny. But kids are like, hey, can we just come to class today? And I'm like, you, you, you sure can. <laughs> Gather us in. Right. So, but see, like these Sit are the, the different floor. Models. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be in this chair. You need to listen. Yeah. Give but me see, two beers. Think, yeah. Think about this. Me and you were formed in a youth group model. So I was formed in a mm-hmm. life team model where Number one, the ideas of classrooms outside of confirmation was, was kind of repugnant, not because of life team, but because of like the idea was the kids have been sitting in classrooms for eight hours. Why do they need to sit in a classroom for another two? Okay. So that's one of the frameworks. So there, so you so I was raised within that, right? So that was the model that I was given. And so I didn't question the premises of these models. What I and I just scoffed at the others. Well, the people one generation up, they had a different framework. And here comes a disruptor who is ruining the very thing that they did. And also their programs were becoming the number one widespread, you know, international thing. 
And so now I was, and I didn't even realize this until one day I was talking with my, my pastor, Father Fletcher, and he just said, you know, youth group to just have kids be with kids. He's like, that's fine. I'm fine with that. As long as they have faith formation, as long as they're going to the homeschooling and they're getting the faith formation or they're coming here and they're mm-hmm. going to your class mm-hmm. or whatever, they have faith formation. Youth group can just be youth group. And I was like, huh, hmm. I would have gone to war with someone 10 years ago if you said that. Now I'm like, oh, no, that makes sense because the components are being met. We're just using different models to meet them, right? Yeah. You know what's funny? One of the proudest moments in my life in ministry, I have no idea why. I think it was like half podcast, half ministry was when Randy Rouse added me. He added me on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> like it was just kind of like wow that's that's kind of i mean who did that isn't he the head of like he started a life team isn't that like, like randy rouse or something i forget no name. randy rouse is the president i think he's the president of life team right now i thought he, he didn't started start it. it phil banowitz father what's his name and god tom not tom booth is tom booth no i think it was tom booth okay so there was the music the priest and the youth minister okay. phil banowitz left well never mind yeah, no, but Randy Rouse has been the president for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. It, I just felt I was like, wow, someone on like a national thing that I know wants to connect with me all about something. That's cool. Yeah. Hey guys, what's up? This is Luke. I am super thrilled to announce a partnership that we're doing for this month about the movie Free. We're partnering with Bosco Films and with Fathom Events. Fathom Events is the is the media company that's brought you such things as the opera live in movie theaters, a re-release of Jurassic Park, that's amazing, and a lot of other cool stuff that you've seen on movie screens across the country. They're doing a one-day event for the movie free, and we're partnering with them to share with you all about this film. This film is incredible. I think it's something that you all are really going to love, and I truly hope that you take the time if you work at a parish, bring some people with you, bring your, bring your small group, bring your family, bring your kids. This film is incredible, and we're so thrilled that they've asked us to partner with them. And if you go, you're going to see a super cool Catching Foxes ad before the movie. It's pretty awesome. It's a slide. It's pretty great. So, okay, let me tell you about the movie Free. For centuries, many men and women have left everything to give their lives to contemplation. Free is a journey into the inner self of man. We have obtained permission to enter and to talk to people who rarely utter a word in places that remain closed to the world, the monasteries. What leads a person to strip himself of the world he knows to withdraw from it for the rest of his life? How does such a person think? Free approaches great questions of man's existence with only one objective, to listen to them. You need to go and see this film. It is incredible. It looks gorgeous. It is exactly as we talk about the need for silence, need to withdraw from technology, the need to really see reality, what better way to see reality as it is, the thing that draws to the quietness of our hearts, the depths of our hearts, the places that have the answers that our hearts long for, monasteries. It's a film about monasteries out in Europe and Spain, talking to the people who are there right now. It is gorgeous. It is incredible. This is a movie you need to see in th- in the theaters. It'll be there for one day on Thursday, the 2nd of November in the year of our Lord, 2023. In the show notes, you're going to see a link to the trailer. I highly encourage you to pause this episode, go to the show notes, check out the link to the trailer as well as to the website where you can buy tickets on there for seeing free on Thursday, the 2nd of November. 
If you want to go to the, to the website, that is fathomevents.com slash events slash free. Again, fathomevents.com slash events slash free. One more time for the old people in the back, fathomevents.com slash events slash free. Check out the trailer in the show notes. Check out the website. Buy a ticket. You're going to hear more about it from us. We are so excited to be partnering, partnering with them. Go see this film. It is going to be incredible. I wish I could tell you, like, here's how to do it. Like, but I, I just, okay. So for like at the Archdiocese, one, one, the only reason why I regret leaving the Archdiocese is we were coming up with a kind of a, I remember having this great meeting with a couple of different people about like, how do we know if this is working? And we started coming up with like a baseline. These ideas of like having like different, I'm a focus groups, but like, keep it yeah. really like, cause you know, cause we're, 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 we're talking like broad yeah. hundreds of people across, you know, a, Southwest Ohio. So how do you know if this is, you know, and it was like, man, yeah. this could be kind of cool to create in a, a way to like gauge this. And, and, and not everyone has like, has this luxury. And I, and I want to like be too uber specific about youth ministry, but it is like, we'll be, I think we both know the best. It, it just, so, you know, and if, if it's just you and you got your parish, like you're not destined to, to fail by any means. I truly yeah. believe that, but it, it really does like there's there's just a lot there's like there's I see a lot that we could do and there are gaps that we're not talking about that I think and there are things that the church just doesn't do. We don't have people, we, we don't have statisticians, we don't have R and D departments, we don't have people that are like but it's like, oh, you could actually get close to that. You yeah. know, like we could get to a point where we could and, and again I'm not like we don't have to like talk about like, what that would actually look like. I, well, I you don't know, know what the church but... does have one in America. Have you ever heard of Cara? Cara? Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. started by Glenn Mary. Kind of. Oh, kind really? Of. Kind of. Yeah, it's a little and bit. Then weird. they immediately went to Georgetown. No, no, no. So Glenn Mary used to have a home base out in D.C. That's nice. what their formation house was back in the day, and they did a lot of research for different things. And basically, I forget exactly. Like Glenn Mary starts, but also kind of not, but kind of like they. I think Glenn Mary was like doing a lot of stuff and some people were doing stuff. They kind of combined them forces and took what um, Glenn Mary was doing. So there's like a, there's a deep relationship there. Cool. That's but, awesome. And I think about well, what are like the, th- I agree with you. Like there's stuff, but I don't mean just like broad trends. I mean, actual, like mm. you spoke with 300 people at your parish who are involved in your program. And this is what they said. And here yeah. are some things that are going to help you understand yeah. what's actually going on. And you know, like all things that you, you like, if, like going back to your point earlier, raw data doesn't mean anything unless you know what to do with it. Right, right. That's what I'm getting at. Is like I don't think we actually teach people. I mean, I was never taught any of this when I was right. at the Archdiocese. I mean, if I wanted to know what I had spent, I got an MS DOS printout that I could tear the <laughs> no, edges you off. Did not. Yes, I did. No, did I tell this to you? <laughs> I've never. I'm um, told this to you. Gomer. Okay, so it's okay. I want you to try to imagine this. It's 2015. <laughs> oh, okay. And I remember going to Sean, like, hey, so, like, how do I know if I have a budget? And he just goes, <laughs> oh, Luke. And um, he's like, so, basically, you'll get a printout of what you've spent. And that's how you know. I was like, oh, okay. So, I asked for a printout, and it was on actual MS-DOS printout that I could tear the edges off in 2015. Oh, so a, a dot matrix printer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They gave it to me, and I was like, I don't even, like, how do I, I haven't read one of these things in 15 years. <laughs> Did it have the the lines yeah. across the different yeah. color like a like an Excel spreadsheet? Yeah, it was cr- it was it yeah. was crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy, and I and I remember just be like, 
oh no <laughs> like and um i the people don't understand that everyone responsible for the it infrastructure in that environment wh- whatever it is the billing you know whatever uh, sh- they should all immediately be fired like that is not that is that is something that is so backwards it is unacceptable and i've run into it at the archdiocese of galveston houston where when i tried to set up my retirement account for the as a parish employee not a school employee school employees have people that help you but at the parish side the guy who worked for fidelity which was our our retirement laughed at me on the phone saying oh my good lord's name in vain oh my gosh oh my gosh I haven't seen something like this in 17 years. Mm-hmm. I said, like what? And I'm sitting here freaking out. It's about my options, you know, what I can pick, what I can choose. He goes, no, they require it to be a hundred percent paper. He goes, <laughs> so I have to figure out, he goes, I don't even know where this, he goes, huh? turns out we actually have things to send. So he has to send me a letter that I have to print out and then I have to fill it out by hand. Oh and gosh. it's one of those where there's a box per per letter you know like the irs forms and you have to fill it out and then mail it in and the the guy said it's a p.o box that we check once a week (laughs) (laughs) he goes i don't i don't i just i don't don't know what what to to do with that well i remember like when they switched their finance stuff people were saying like i remember like talking with with this one person and she was new there she had worked finance for a bit she was like we're having to jump 30 years yeah she's like you would not believe like yeah, just they're they're going from basically the late '80s to yeah. 2018. PDS like, baby, <laughs> yeah. It, it was just like PDS it's, it's is crazy. The, and the it, funniest thing is the company that runs PDS Parish Data Systems. They also have a Protestant one, and so I found it because I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. And we ended up going to Fellowship One. Then we went to what is it called Planning Center, which I recommend for people. It's so good. But uh, they're all run by huge non denoms So you go to BDS, and I, I was like, oh, there's a parent company. So I click it, and I found out, oh, there's this whole Protestant world. So I go through their database, and it's like, well done. They've got a lasers. nice website. They have a video with, like, trendy little corporate music, and this is how you do it. This is what it's like to use this product. And Here's Toby went, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> yo, 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 what's up? This <laughs> This church management software is the jam. So then I went back to PDS and I was like, where is their video? And the website looks ugly. Even though it's made by the same company, it's hosted on the same website. I click like, it. This is for people who have an office with wood paneling from the <laughs> 70s yeah. with no lighting. Cheap wood paneling. Yeah. You know, how, you, you know how sometimes you can make a video or a movie with PowerPoint? Where it'd be like a slide that would come up and like a couple things would move and then like your yeah. title would appear and then it yeah. would zoom out. So it was that. And then it was a secretary. So this is like no paid actors. It's a secretary and one camera, one camera angle. Is it all in flash? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but from an older version of flash that my latest version couldn't run. (laughs) You need Windows 3.1 for work groups. The secretary goes. Like, it was a testimonial, right? And she's like, we love PDS. It has <laughs> helped us with sending out mailings for updates. And she was just this, this normal person talking. It, it, it was like, oh, crap. We need to get something. Hey, Karen, will you film something real quick with us? Oh, there I is, love PDS. <laughs> there is something like, I mean, it's horrible. But there's something wonderful about that, too. Because it's like, no one else is doing anything. <laughs> at, least they, at least they did it. You know, it's like I'll never forget being in um, 
Eureka, California, which I need you to understand how like Eureka is like the hippies, like a lot of the old hippies went and moved there. Yeah. So there's just oh yeah, like the marijuana capital. Oh yeah, something? just like well, actually now all the cartels yeah. have just ruined that, but it's yeah. actually horribly violent. But anyways, uh, like you know, I mean, I, th- I think I talked about this before how like my buddy his. Like his mom lived in Haight Ashbury in the summer of I'm um, 67, so like yeah. a lot of that. And so yeah. I'm at Mass, and there's they're doing like the whole like folk Mass thing, and I'm just like I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. I, I, I can't, I can't. And I honestly, I felt like it was like the Lord just being like, at least they're doing something, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> you know, like just kind of like at least they're doing something. What are you doing? You're just complaining. You're just hungover. In sweats, sweating out alcohol and cigarettes. Like a boss. <laughs> They're doing something. <laughs> You're living in a dome with a bunch of high school Asians, and <laughs> these people are like, you know, doing this. Asian foreign exchange student. It was so much. Yeah, it sounds weird if I don't provide <laughs> You're living context. in a dorm with high school Asians. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a nightmare or it, something it, much it, more oh twisted. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it just like. I'm excited. There's actually a lot of like really cool stuff. I I think that to to be honest, I um like I'm super pumped with with what uh, Glass Canvas is doing with Tilma. Like um like there's just a, there's a lot of really cool people doing a lot of really yeah. cool things right right now. And I think one of the next frontiers are those like just like and these hard skills can be learned. Like they're yeah. very like they're pretty like a lot of them are relatively unsimple. You don't have to go to grad school at yeah. To learn these things, it's like you got volunteers that can help you with that. That that will do it for work and say, "Hey, how can we pull some stuff together? Like, how do we know? Like, you know, like there, like there are ways you can find out how many volunteers do we actually need, and when it's become too much, yeah. And then how much time do I actually have to like, and like when is it actually not worth it to have a volunteer anymore? And how many do we really need to like, like you can? There are things you can do to help you get to that point. And then, like, it's a lot easier to go to a person and say, I mean, I kind of, okay, so I, like, I lucked into some stuff that I did when I was at the Archdiocese, particularly with the adult office, but a lot of it I didn't either. And I, I knew there were certain things, like, I knew what was going to be beyond my capacity and, like, what was it? And one of the things that I did that, in hindsight now, I would just be way more intentional about, but I built a wonderful strategic fit for what we were trying to, to, to do. So the thing worked wonderfully because I re reinf- I like worked, I knew what our capabilities were. And I was like, let's just focus on that. Yeah. And like, I was, I was, I could, I was able to go extremely slow. I was able to get the right on people on board and we were able to build out and create something pretty cool that all f- that fell apart after I left and during, and during COVID. So it was great. But like, that's really like, that's really like when you have the time, you actually, anyways, my whole point is there's actually some really cool stuff that like we could do mm-hmm. if we just started to teach some of those hard skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've got some 10 minute topics if we want to just kind of, are you good? If like, this is a good episode We're at 50 minutes. No, I, just, I keep coming back to this, to the, to the, to a potential conflict between like a conflict can always arise when you have one person paying for, for a good or service and another person who receives it. Right. Yeah, it's called the nonprofit world. Well, it, true, but I mean, like, it's more akin to like insurance, where you're paying for insurance, and then the insurance company who is not receiving the medical care 
they are paying the bills, right? So there's this weird like, third-party system where they're, they are interjecting themselves into the very intimate process of mm-hmm. medical care and all this stuff. And I think about that in terms of youth ministry, which is like you have a parent who is hiring a youth minister, you know, in real, they're signing, they're registering their kid up for the parish-based youth ministry program or, or faith formation or whatever it might be, and they're hiring them to do a job. But how easy is it for the parents' expectations and the child's to be misaligned, and then for the parent and the youth ministries to be misaligned, and then for the child and the youth ministries to be misaligned, mm-hmm. right? And then not only to mention the youth ministers and the parish priests and youth ministers and the diocese, the parish priests and the diocese. So there's all these layers that mm-hmm. creep into these things that I just don't think we're explicit about. Like, I don't think we talk about it. In a way, it was one of the things that I did at that Victoria conference because my thing was like, do you know where Sunday school comes from? Like Catholics have been aping in one sense the Protestant method for the last like 20, 30 years. But Sunday school in another way of in the Protestant world has been aping what Catholicism. So Sunday school was invented by Protestant congregations, mostly in the UK, but also in the US during the beginnings of industrialization so that they could give the gospel to young kids who worked in factories they called it sunday school they've got the good fingers yes right so they were doing these dangerous jobs so horrible right but there's there's your capitalism everyone enjoy enjoy your protestant work ethic (laughs) the idea of it is you have these kids are required by law to work six days yeah you're required by law to work six days a week you can't work on the seventh you can't work on the seventh day or Sabbath day. So what ends up happening is they're like, well, we'll have a school on Sunday to try to give these kids mm-hmm. faith and doctrine and prayer. And so that's where Sunday school came up. But when it started getting institutionalized, parents complained, Protestant parents complained to their Protestant pastors and denominations that this will end up taking away the parents' responsibility from educating their kids. And within half a generation, all of those Sunday school programs were no longer filled with the unchurched. They were filled with the children of the parents. Because the parents, this is the great abdication. I'm now no longer in charge of my child's systematic faith formation. So then in the Catholic world, you have the formation of Catholic schools like aggressively because Protestants, especially in the New England area, were pushing this new thing called public schooling directly to separate catholic parents from their children Mm -hmm. and to americanize them which meant to protestantize them Mm -hmm. so i mean i have a a series of uh on my apologetics bookshelf i have three volumes called the radio replies and it's from the 1920s and 30s this radio show these two priests did and i remember reading it and there was a question is it a mortal sin to not send your kid to catholic school and they said absolutely it is if you can afford it and it is if it's if it's within you know relative means and ease to get there you absolutely it is a mortal sin not to send not to support and yeah. send your kid there and I, you know what's funny during that time period that actually makes a lot of sense because that's yep. like i i don't think it it would apply right right now but Mm-mm. it was so the whole point of the school like america was such a protestant country at that point yeah. in time that they viewed it as their role to like un Pope you, you know, to like get like you know, like remove the Roman out. Like it was, it was yeah. legit. Like it's, yeah, I, I agree. 100%. So, so, so you think about that, like that, and and the fact that education was so expensive. But you have you have this thing that almost doesn't exist anymore, called women's religious orders, right? They still exist, obviously, but they're a fraction of what they used to be. 
And so you would have I was literally like, a little t- hyperbolic. Uh, not even remotely hyperbolic. You to say look that at the they data? almost don't exist anymore compared to 150 years ago. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, hundreds mm. of thousands of nuns. Yeah, hundreds but like of thousands. But like, if compare it to like the amount of actual practicing on like Catholics right now. Like I, I mean, yeah, we, no, we, I, I put them in the same boat. <laughs> it it went from this to this. But like, right? is That's it like a saying. per capita? So is it you know? Think about this. Almost every parish. Is, uh, I, mean, I agree east, with you. I'm just you know. Yeah, east of the Mississippi. It's eleven o'clock. Had right <laughs> east of the Mississippi had Catholic schools attached to their parish, and almost all of them were staffed, if not fully. That's true. A That's lot true. by yeah. nuns. Yeah. That's why Catholic education was so competitive. Would would, would beat up the school because yeah, it was like, true. look, That's we true. can pay. We can pay one salary to ten teachers. Mm-hmm. Now, four percent of their cost, yeah, four uh-huh. percent is to be so. I don't remember what year, but basically, in like the early sixties, I believe, like four percent of your costs went to labor, and by the time you get to the aughts, it's ninety four percent. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. I, I, yeah, exactly. I don't need to illustrate that by real world example. Uh, but but the, I, I will say what's cool about like Ohio now is like your your, your tax dollars are going to they were going to start um a default you now so you can actually like use it to go oh, okay there you school. go so that's gonna be fun um so when you have this you also have high, like nuns were so and and like Christian brothers were highly educated so when mm-hmm. they're your teacher teaching you know you have the 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 Indian and black schools started by Cabrini and the two mothers, Mother Cabrini and Mother Frank. Oh, no, what am I blanking on her name? Anyway, uh, they're about to make a movie about her. Mother, you have these spreads of schools where all of a sudden you have like insanely high quality teachers who were mm-hmm. also brutal with a yardstick yeah. teaching the masses, right? Teaching not the mass, but teaching like I mean tons of kids. Mm-hmm. It unleashed so much potential, especially during the um, Reconstruction period in the South. Mm-hmm. Where you had a lot of these schools being formed, right? And all these former slaves, it's like, well, we're never... Well, I mean, one of the arguments against ending slavery was, I think it's appalling. I think it's evil. We should work to undo it. But if you end slavery tomorrow, you're going to have a mass of angry and uneducated people flooding your city streets. So keep them enslaved until we could educate the next generation. I mean, that that was one of the arguments that people made. And then it's like, actually, the answer is that lady with a, a, a habit on tirelessly taking horses riding horses to educate kids out in all of these areas like it was like the the, the fascinating nature of american catholicism in the 1800s to ni- early 1900s i mean it's amazing and now that's like that aspect is gone from it us. is it's really sad too because like one of the things about that i like that the human formation part of that the like mm-hmm. you know i just want i i won't ever forget being at this one huge of a lot of fundraiser for Catholic schools and this person, she was a very successful businesswoman in Cincinnati. Didn't seem to be like an old boomer, but perhaps like a younger boomer or older Gen X. She was talking about the value of Catholic schools, and she said, "Like all of us, I learn how to like I learn how to um how she put it. I learn how like shake a priest hand, how to how to properly." a address him and how to like look him in the eye which helped me learn how to you know like be i'm confident in myself yeah. and me other, and i was like oh that doesn't happen anymore that doesn't happen for <laughs> decades lady like that part which i don't think that's only i mean it's obviously there's the academic stuff but like the like the pristine handwriting the 
um, stand up when a person enters the 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 room. Yeah, like, you know all the the really the manners, that, like, human information man. part. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I, I and I will say this to Ragnum Christie's credit, which yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I will give this to um, Ragnum Christie. Boy, does this hurt saying this. Like they do that with with their with their school still. Yeah. Well, it's, so me and Shannon just did a thing. It today. really is. Yeah, me and Shannon just did a thing today together, which was awesome. We did uh, someone, uh, the Cathedral High School in Houston, which is the ordinary at high school, hired me and Shannon to give the men's and women's talk. And I was doing the men's session. And I had pulled the podium right in front of the doors. And so I can't see who's coming in behind me. And it was a short, you know, it was a 30 minute talk that I turned into a 40 minute talk. It's fine. Pretty but um, the priest walked in. And because I was still talking, everyone like looked at the priest, looked at me, and then looked at the principal who was in the room with us. And he was like, he nodded his head once. And so they all stood up. And I turned around. I didn't even hear him come in. And he was trying to be quiet. Like he didn't want to disrupt. But then he came in. I was like, oh, oh, hey. <laughs> and then they all stood up and they said, um, good morning, Father. And then they sat. And he's like, good morning. Please be seated. And they all sat back down. And I went, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. And I, yeah, and I, I just, uh, you know, like a, a couple weeks ago, we like ragged on on the Catholic schools, which I will, which I will be happy to do again. But there is this thing of like, man, when this is done well, nothing better, right? There's right. nothing better. Like, hmm. All right, maybe we can wrap. Up. We did not get to any yeah. of the ten minute topics that our, our listeners gave us, but like we've got more. So for next week, so it'll be good. Boy, let's never record on a Friday night again. <laughs> It's it great rough. to see you, but my gosh, <laughs> we should either be drinking or like. <laughs> I am. I have a frozen margarita. Uh, you see I, this? I have a this water. Is the last one. I hired a cleaner now. It's going to come every week, and it's just so much better <laughs> for my house. I can't do this, man. I can't. It's well, so hard. It is. I had to outsource it. I was like, I can't. <sighs> my heart, Luke. My heart goes to you. It's so hard. Do you judge? Oh no, it's fine. It's, no, it, my heart goes out no. to you. It's no, it's so hard. You're doing I listen. Better things. Yeah, I, like if only Shannon could, could come here and do my laundry and be thrilled. <laughs> Not you. Like, you don't even remember how to fold. No, I'm pretty good at folding. I mean, I don't do it that often, but when I have to. For when I travel and put it in the suitcases. Okay, if she doesn't, doesn't make it for me the night before. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> of course she does it the night before <laughs> uh no it's good it's, it's so much better man i'm like wow this is and it's like it's like i mean it's not like it's like a deep clean so i'm like you know obviously i'm still picking things up yeah you're picking and putting but they're wiping and screwing. i was just you know like one night i was doing on the laundry at one in the morning and again i was like i can't like i can't something has to yeah and i uh something's got to give luke yeah. i think i think what you should do is just go full steve jobs just black turtleneck mock turtlenecks and blue jeans and, and just buy a new car every um six weeks because that's that what he did bother. yeah he didn't want to have to bother getting it registered so we just bought the same kind of car every like any time that his registration would expire you just go buy another one why didn't he do what i'm doing right now and just not pay for the registration <laughs> That's your ADHD right there, it'll man. Be, it'll be a year in, in November. Oh, my gosh. I just, <laughs> so I'm just going to wait till November. <laughs> then I'll get a new sticker, and it'll give me for a full year. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm a Someone broken woman. I'm a really broken woman. To come and run our lives. Uh, like, that's why I got married. 
uh, man, the principle of specialization. If I can just get to a point where I can afford a personal assistant, I will immediately hire one. Oh yeah. Do just you like, have ADHD? Gosh, no. Hired. Hired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for someone neurotypical. Is that you? <laughs> Are you very stern and consistent and you're really gonna annoy me? Okay, good. Yeah, do it, please. Please, please, please. Oh, please. that's so funny. Um no, no just uh closing comments, I think, for next time. Just want you to know something, Luke. I substituted for two classes on Plato's Republic. You're loving it, aren't you? I think you'd be, I think if you could teach once a week, I think you'd be thrilled. I think it's very much your thing. You just can't grade. You cannot be responsible for anything other than just showing up and doing uh, other things. So I officially registered as a substitute for my kids champion (laughs) all thing, which is on Wednesdays and Thursdays, you pick a day. My wife is now the president or whatever you call it, the head, because the woman who's with the interim, because of, the woman who was what? in charge of the, our, our Campion Hall. Or, um, so it's a one-day-a-week homeschooling curriculum thing. Okay. And we got like, I don't know, 100 kids or whatever. But uh, it, So they offer the same thing on Wednesdays, so you pick which day you want to go. Yeah. And the fascinating thing with it, so the lady in charge, she's, she's pregnant, and uh, she tells my wife, hey, you know, any day now, 2 o'clock in the morning, she's going to the... I don't know if she was going to the hospital or whatever, but Shannon, gets, I get home from Chicago at one forty-five. I climb into bed. I get home at one forty, climb into bed at one forty-five, and I'm out like a light. She gets a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going into labor. You have to run school today. So this is on Thursday. Ooh. And so she's like, oh, my gosh. So now her heart is pounding. She finally falls asleep at 3 o'clock in the morning. And at 4.30, my boys decide to go to war with one another in their bedroom downstairs. Like, they've been up for hours. So now, so me and Shannon got a combined total, like, three and a half hours Ugh. on Thursday while she then had to stand outside and coordinate schools and sick kids and all this stuff. Our priests were out of town that day, so she was, like, literally by herself. I was substituting, so I helped her a little bit here and there. But uh, <laughs> I so I just I could. chatted with with some people, and you know, I was <laughs> present. <laughs> she could feel my masculine genius. <laughs> <laughs> no, I helped out. One of the priests forgot to leave a lesson plan so for this theology class, and I would have taught it in a heartbeat. He was like, "I want to talk about the show bread or the bread of the presence." Have you ever heard of that? And I was like, "You mean Brant Petrie's amazing Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Eucharist on the show bread?" I was like, yes, I can do that. And then I was like, oh, it's at the same time I'm teaching Plato's Republic. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> so anyway, I helped her out with oh, that. Get it who also. are you? Who are you? I am you? a man of mystery. Who are you? <laughs> uh, Luke, what if I became a Twitch streamer? Did uh, Katie kept telling us that we should do it. I, pop, I, I asked that to Shannon today. What if, I, what if I just streamed for like four hours a day, three days a week? And she's like. Stream what? That sounds I mean, awful. You, you could just go. I mean, you you could just go. You want me to leave? No, no. I just mean <laughs> you like, could go. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I have a freaking piece of dad life right here. Some something inside my pocket that was some tape from her cup. <laughs> Don't you love all the annoying little things? It's not. It's not. It's not like the accoutrement that comes with kitty stuff. Like there's some thick plastic thing that just won't stay put. And now it's in my pocket. Oh my gosh, Everly, like, so we were, like, all the kids were downstairs, and it's, there's typically one parent, like, who always will volunteer each week. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to at some point in time to be with all the kids, and, like, and, and yeah. the kids, like, they kind of come in and out, you know, through whatever. Yeah. So I could just hear Everly going, my daddy, 
my daddy to come out and be like, hi, daddy. And like, walk, <laughs> I'm like, daddy's on a roll about how the church is, we're supposed to be more like receptive. And now I'm about to do my Pope Paul VI quote. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was just fun. She's just, she's so energetic and so happy and so fun. Oh, I love it. I love yeah, it. That's great. She knows how to charm people. She's just so, uh, like, she catches people off guard. She's just, like, I mean, I think a lot, a, a, a lot of kids are like it. She's just so unfriendly. So she's always just like, hi, hi. <laughs> I'm like, don't lose that. Please, please don't, don't lose it. Please don't. Shannon, Shannon, in her talk today to the girls, she said a little bit about me. She's like, I know some of you know my husband from the summer because um, he did the high school retreat for y'all. If you all went to it. Um, or not retreat, but a summer camp. And she said, unlike my husband, who is an extrovert and loves talking and loves conferences and is always in front of people. And he's a podcaster. I, uh, even though I love my faith and I love talking about it, uh, even if I do a great job after the end of this talk, I will go home and I will cry (laughs) (laughs) because I am an introvert and I don't like any of this. (laughs) And they caught the girls so off guard, and they just started laughing. And she it's goes, so "Yeah, probably in the dark too. I will literally turn off all the lights and just have a good cry that I said everything wrong." So, anywho, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so funny. Can I tell so you one funny. of my favorite Shannon moments? I don't know. Okay, so this is like I'm nothing to do with what you talked about. It was just so funny. Yeah, I was doing something for orientation. And I was like on the entertainment team, and I made some joke, not about her, but about like it was just like a joke that like. We would find, I can't remember like what I said, but it was definitely insulting to like a certain group, but we would have found it like hilarious. And I can't remember if it bombed or if it was just like, there was like this laugh and then it just paused and then like Shannon just yells, I love Luke Carey. (laughs) Like that, like just, because it was just like, holy crap, Luke, you're doing this, right? That is me. You're doing this. All right. I guess, I guess I'm like, I need to, to tell you afterwards. What? I mean, I want to record it. What? What are we talking about? I mean, we're we're podcasting. You're aware of that, right? Yeah. You you just said I need to talk to you afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Like after we're done. And then it sounded like you said and to record it. No, no, no. I, Maybe, I, oh, okay. I, no, you said what? I was like, no. I, I said I don't want to record it. Oh, my brain. Okay, my brain. Oh my okay, gosh. everyone. Thank if you this so episode much, is all. bad, Joe. Just tell us and we'll figure something out. <laughs> no, this episode's gold. <laughs> so we so healed struggle. people today. We healed people. Someone became Catholic because of our podcast. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's beautiful, man. That gave me like a lot of energy to be honest. Cause I was like, I'm so tired. And then I saw that. And I was like, fine, Lord, I get it. <laughs> I was, I was so tired earlier, but you know, what will save us all. Hmm. The synod on synodality has oh begun. Okay. Can I just, can I vent? About something <laughs> really, really, really no, quick? I don't want you to vent. I don't, I don't want you to just, like, why are people expecting this to be held at a beautiful place? It's like, it's a bunch of boomer Catholics. This is, it's not <laughs> going to be held in like a gorgeous hall. Like we all knew what this was going to be. What? <laughs> why are we shocked? <laughs> why are we appalled? Jump. It would have been the same place. If it was jump ball too. Like, it, yeah. It, yeah. Is it in the Paul, the six center? Where are they doing it? It's the one with a weird tree in the altar. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, Paul, the six. yeah. yeah it's, it's not like, an altar. Whatever. It's just the it's it's there. It's the Pope Paul the Sixth, whatever center. It's where they can pack five thousand people. Yeah, it's like into a room. Like, yeah, it's a stage. It's on an altar. It's yeah. Why are we shocked? <laughs> it's like, such an ugly. It's I always whenever I talk about the Paul the Sixth Center, I always call it the ugliest building in Rome oh or in at the Vatican I'm because sure. it is. But it's where they do the Wednesday audiences. It's where you can pack a huge well, crowd. Like I remember. Do you remember a couple of years ago when the Pope did an address right before 
this Super Bowl? No. It was like it was really random and really cool. Except he was in just like the most like mid-century modern boomer priest office you could imagine. <laughs> and I was like, that's just who he is. There's nothing around this. He just likes. He wants. You know, it, it, it looked like I was like, I don't think Benedict would ever, ever. But like, it's just not him. I think maybe they just set up the cameras in there. You know, you never know. All right, I gotta go. I'm gonna go. I'm following him. All right. Not because of you. Stopping in three, two, one. Hello, Luke. Speaking of too much, too fast, your sex life. Oh, man, right? <laughs> ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba.